Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian, writer for Scary Monsters magazine, and curator of the Crypt of Classics. Co-hosting, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries, and owner of the House of the Unusual.com, the one, the only, the intrepid Eddie Guevara. Today's special guest, coming back from September 23rd, is Dave Haversat of the 1878 Press Company and Haversat and Ewing Galleries Auction. How's everyone doing tonight? Oh, great. Dave, before we get started, for uh, maybe some people weren't here the last time uh, you were on, Real quick, tell us a little bit about yourself and your uh, your your companies and your auction. Sure. Well, I'm mainly involved in magic and uh, novelties, jokes, gags, publishing of books that relate mainly to magicians and some pop culture titles and so forth. Um, run a conjuring uh, magic auction house that sells anything from items of Harry Houdini, his letters, papers, to things of more modern uh, magic fair like David Copperfield and David Blaine. So anyone that's interested in magic uh, probably has purchased an item from me over the years. Well, that's about it in a nutshell. If I wanted to put Eddie up for sale in your auction, how much do you think I could get for him? <laughs> well, Eddie's a unique character. Um <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to ask his wife that, you know, she may be willing to just throw him out of the house at this point, because I understand <laughs> that um, her side of the bed is just, it, it now has a, a seven foot Frankenstein there. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Eddie, what's new? What's new? new uh, well, no, nothing much. Um, uh, David, we wanted to discuss in this episode, and I know, and I told him that you're the ex- expert in this field. But supposing, you know, like Houdini and Halloween, since Halloween is coming up, and and it's you know interesting topics. He was a very, uh, he was king in all his uh, ghost huntings and discrediting all the people of his time, which uh, I believe. After him, a lot of people followed doing the same. Um, what do you, any good stories? I mean, I had told the story that because uh, my man asked me here, um, Joe, he had asked me concerning Halloween in Cuba. And I go, my friend, in Cuba, there was no such thing. I got here 1968 Halloween evening on the 31st of Halloween. Uh, and that's how I knew about Halloween because I, I arrived here. <laughs> uh, actually, I got here on the 30th. The next day was Halloween. So that's how it was kind of interesting because um, I fell in love with the season because I was able to go trick-or-treating and stuff. And I can tell you it was kind of funny because I even continued doing the thing to almost the age of 13. Um, I know it was sounded like a goofy thing to do, but I, I actually <laughs> went uh, trick-or-treating when I was about either 12. I think I was 12, actually. And, you know, I went in New York because New York, it was, it was cool. I lived in uh, Washington Heights at the time, and it was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, Dave, I'm going to give you the floor. Give us a couple of stories that you have. Well, if you want me to talk, you know, about Harry Houdini, um, you know, it's true that he did pass away on Halloween Day in 1926, uh, suffering from 
appendicitis. Was that the reason so many things of him were generated, like, you know, all this uh, tales and, and stuff of him? Well, even before his death, you know, um, I mean, Houdini was involved in so many different different projects besides writing books um, on, you know, many subjects of magic. He, was, of course, was a, a big star at the time, but um, he got involved with exposing spiritualists and fake mediums because after his mother had passed away, he was um, always trying to make contact or thought he could make contact with his mother um, because he really, uh, he, he had a very close bond with her and he thought if there was a way to do that, which, you know, people to this day, when a loved one passes away, they, um, they hold these memories and sometimes they have stories where the dreams seem so vivid that they thought that the person was reaching out to them was still alive or trying to give them a message. And, you know, Houdini, also did that with his wife, Bessie, uh, saying, you know, if there's a way I could come back, um, I'll have a secret code and you'll know it's me. And it's not just one of these phony mediums making something up. But before, you know, his passing and before he um, talked to Bessie about this, I think what had happened basically is that he, he had this need to try to make contact with his mother. And I believe at along one point he was fooled, not fooled, but he was, you know, he was, he was duped. And, and then he found out that, you know, Hey, I'm a magician and I'm the one doing the tricks and someone is preying on my vulnerability because I'm grieving and they're trying to make a profit off of me um, and saying they could connect with my loved one. And the, this person is saying this and they're sending a message from beyond the grave. So once he found out that uh, there was all these people out there doing this stuff, he kind of went on a crusade to try to debunk them and show how they trick people um, and how they're doing these devious things, you know, having people come in and doing seances and there's supposed to be trumpets and noises and things flying through the air. And um, he would go and he would show those that were interested how this these things were accomplished and that they were all fake and phony. So he did that. In fact, even when he died, um, you know, there's a book about a decade ago that came out that said that he was, he didn't die from the appendicitis or he died from the, uh, the appendicitis, but that it was intentionally done. He was intentionally punched in the stomach with three hard blows um, because the mediums hated him so much because of what he was doing to destroy them and expose them that they kind of hired a hitman um, to uh, to kill him. So that that's kind of one of those uh, those stories, whether you believe it or not. But that was Houdini's uh, quest later in life to do this expose. In fact, you know Houdini did a lot of different traveling all over the place. And he even gave lectures. He would go to in the different cities and not necessarily do a, a show where he would do escapes, but he would lecture about these fraudulent mediums and he would bring all the tools and 
how they would do things, these extension rods, these lead hands that, you know, when you were seated around the table, um, the medium would take out a hand that was lead, you know, lead you can form, it's, it's very pliable and bendable, and put that over the person sitting next to you so it felt like the magician or the, the medium was holding your hand, but that allowed their real hand to be free to do things under the table, have horns and extension rods to make it look like things ghosts are flying, you know. You could kind of get an example of this if you watch the 1950s film of Houdini with Tony Curtis and his wife, Janet Lee. There's a scene in there where they expose, you know, there's supposed to be this eerie music that's coming and Houdini's mother makes an appearance and then Tony Curtis, uh, it's interrupted, you know, the seance and they find the music is coming from a record player under the chair and there's a button and the microphone comes from the chandelier. So you kind of, if you watch that film, they usually play it around this time of the year. It gives you an idea of um, what Houdini was about. But Houdini's show in the 1920s, 1925 and 26, uh, you know, he died in 1926. He had a, a full evening show. And part of the show was doing the regular magic tricks and doing things like the water torture cell. And the other half of the um, show was the expose. And I have one of the props that was used in that show. It's a, a spirit slate and the spirit slates, you know, where a message would be supposedly written on these small little chalkboards and a chair that Houdini sat in. And he would demonstrate how the real slates were switched by the mediums from a secret pocket that was underneath the chair to the ones that had the message. And, um, I acquired that chair in the crate that Houdini traveled with um, maybe about five years ago or so. Now, Dave, I got a, a question. Did Houdini's wife, did she ever, you know, during a seance or anything, did she ever get that, um, that secret phrase or word from him? Well, huh. Yes and no. At one point, she claimed that uh, a medium by the name of Arthur Ford had successfully um, revealed the the code. But then she later um, recanted that and said that she was under stress and she was mistaken and that was not correct. And Arthur Ford was was not correct or he was a phony or whatever um i i actually have that letter from bess houdini that she sent to arthur ford acknowledging that he correctly revealed the code um but uh, like i said later on uh that was believed to be just that she was i don't know what she said she was tired or stressed out or had a breakdown or something, but it could have been people around her, you know, um, that influenced her that, that okay. told her, uh, no, don't, don't accept that. That wasn't the, the real code. And what had happened is when, when, uh, Houdini had died, um, she had met a, a person who was 
kind of in the carnival business. He was a, a showman, a pitchman of sorts. His name was Edward Saint. He um, was kind of the, the catalyst for starting these Houdini seances that were hosted on Halloween. And they'd be, they would be held at places like the Knickerbocker Hotel on the top of the roof and so forth. And there's even a recording, I believe it's on YouTube, of Bess Houdini speaking where, you know, she'll, she would say, you know, this is uh, the final time we're having the seance and Houdini has not come through and so forth. Uh, the seances are still continuing to this day um, with COVID. I understand that the, uh, this year's seance is um, going to be done, you know, over the internet. Uh, so they still do them yearly on, on Halloween. Yes. Now, does does anybody know what that code is, or has that been kept a secret? Well, they don't really stress the code, um, you know, at the seances, the modern-day seances. Um, it's more of, you know, can they make any connection? What they usually do is they will have people, they'll have a medium there, and they'll have people, they'll have a couple of Houdini's objects, Um a pair of his handcuffs, uh, maybe some photographs and so forth. And they'll have people that are Houdini, that are interested in Houdini. Um, and they'll be in the audience or they'll be around the table. But uh, nothing has ever really occurred. There's no, what, what was the code that was supposed to come through? What was the code that they shared? Well, the one there's, you know, there's been different things that have been said. There's been the, the word forgive or believe. Um, but um, yeah, that's something that uh, was between between Bess and, and Harry. You know, okay, so she never left it in like a diary or, or any type of uh, correspondence or anything like that? of what the actual word was. No, it's been, you know, it's, there's just been speculation of what it was. Yeah. Okay. You know, one of the things I, wasn't the book, uh, The Unmasking of Robert Houdin. Uh, no, actually, no, that wasn't it. Uh, that was because he, he wrote that book because the, the time he wanted to meet with Howard Houdin's wife and, and he didn't, uh, he didn't meet with them, I believe it was, and then he got mad at uh, at the a French magician, and he tried to expose him. Is that correct? That's Robert Houdin. Yeah, and yeah, Roberto, Roberto. I said Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Howard. No, Roberto Houdin, and he did that. Now that showed that Houdini during his life, I think he he was a uh, uh, with what I've gone, you know, from the years I've heard and learned from the different stories, he must have been one of these guys that just wasn't, you know. Um, not a kind of a selfish guy, but a guy that if he didn't get his way, he wasn't happy, correct? Uh, because that shows in his life when he wrote the book for Robert Houdin, he tried to expose the magician he once loved. In fact, his name apparently was changed to Houdini by using the same last name and then adding an I at the end, right? Am I correct in saying that? About as far as uh, Houdini being... Um... No, as far as Houdini loved Robert Houdin, and then when he couldn't meet with the widow, he was upset about it, and then he uh, he wrote that book to expose Howard as a fake. I mean, Robert as a fake. 
Yeah, but that was not. Robert Houdin was considered to be the like the father of, of modern magic, the type of magic we know today, and not like the the alchemy type of type of performance. Right, right. Yeah, where you could right, you right. know swallow hot coals and things like that. Um, right, he did for the modern magic. But the reason Houdini wrote that book is because he was upset of not meeting the widow. Am I correct in that? Um, no, I don't think it was the widow. It it um, it may have been uh, his uh, his son. May have been his son, but might have been his yeah. Because I remember reading something. I don't. I know he was mad and he wanted to expose him for that reason. Now, one thing I'm going to ask you, Dave. I know a lot of people say, and you can tell us this story that you know, when somebody sells you or so, you go away and you take a lot of stuff. You go, all you need to take is the kitchen sink. Am I correct in saying you did visit at the original house of Houdini in New York City and bought the kitchen sink? Well, I didn't buy the kitchen sink, but I did buy um, I did buy Houdini's medicine chest, you know, medicine cab, you oh, medicine know. cabinet, and I did. You didn't like the kitchen sink. <laughs> well, there was the bathroom sink um, <laughs> and, and bathtubs actually, um, but uh, David Copperfield got one of the bathtubs, um, and then there was a secondary bathtub. But the one that David Copperfield acquired was supposedly the bathtub that Houdini before he would do his he prepare for his escape um into uh, icy waters would go into the tub and his assistants would pour buckets of ice on him submerge him down into the tub and kind of condition his body so he knew what to expect when he went into you know um a box that was going to go into the ice-filled waters, which he had to escape from. So that was that tub. Um, when I went to Houdini's house, it was under construction, and it wasn't all that long ago. It had only been owned since Houdini died. It, it was only passed through the hands of, or had s just several um, occupants all that time. There was, uh, it wasn't like the house revolved and you know, had one one family after another every five or ten years. It was decades and decades where the same person lived in there. So very little construction-wise was being done until about a year and a half, two years ago. And the house has gone through major renovations. Um, now, yeah. now, Dave, if, if I remember right, about 10 or 12 years ago, wasn't there a, a proposed... Uh exhumation of his body to to see how he actually died i believe it was a family member or something like that wanted to to dig him up and, and filed some court papers that whatever happened with that well his body was never exhumed um and it kind of revolves around or did revolve around the um what i said earlier about the thought that he was actually uh murdered or poisoned or i mean there's been different things you know of course like i said with the mediums hiring someone to this this student who was a college student who who punched him three times very hard in the abdomen um they were trying to say well you know he could have been the one that was hired by these mediums to injure houdini which would eventually lead to his death there was talk that he was poisoned um but that never really went anywhere that was there there may have been some talk about it but the family that remains um 
they were adamant that nothing was to happen. The grave was not to be disturbed. So nothing ever became of that. But you're right. There was talk about it. And, you know, under, under Houdini's head uh, is a pillow. And inside that pillow contains the letters, um, again, with his mother, you know, because he was, he was so close to his mother. Um, these, the, the family letters are supposedly all sewn in, or they are, into this pillow and they're in what his head rests on. So, um, you, oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, from a, a standpoint of, you, you know, Houdini real, really hasn't been, it's to us, he's been dead for a long time. But, you know, when you think of things like ancient Egypt and so forth, um, where they go into the tombs and they, they disturb the, the, the graves and so forth. Um, you know, that goes back thousands and thousands, thousands of years. And they find these treasures. I'm certain that these people that thought about exhuming his body, um, would love to also have the ability to look at, you know, what those letters contain. All right. Do you yeah, that would, that would definitely be interesting, but I, you know, I wonder, you know, because he was he died in in twenty six. If you know, if they're almost, even around, yeah, a hundred years later, if they haven't, you know, dissolved from moisture or anything, because you know, who knows how, you know, how well everything was preserved from the casket to the body. Nothing like you know, ancient Egypt where they made sure things would would be preserved to to last. You know, you got to wonder, you know, what type of condition those would even be in if if you were to. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, personally, I I mean, I it's maybe those letters has been talked that those letters have there's there's copies of them out there. Um, And, you know, it wouldn't even be necessary to do that. But it it's disturbing the dead in the grave. I would be opposed to it. I don't you know think that that's correct unless there was something you know they i know um oh probably 20 years ago um they they exhumed the the grave of uh president zachary taylor you know and because they thought he was poisoned they and they were checking for arsenic and um Mm -hmm. you know they found out that he wasn't that he actually died um from the causes that he did, which I can't remember, but something to the effect that he got ill after drinking milk and eating a bowl full of cherries. And then he died. And there was always speculation that he was murdered. And, you know, this is going way back. This is going back before uh, Lincoln. And, but they exhumed his body about 20 years ago to end that, you know, that thought, but with Houdini um, there's really been no definitive proof that he died any other than just, you know, what had occurred and that there was no conspiracies. But as you know, anytime someone who's well-known, um, it goes on and it will always happen. There's always this, this conspiracy theory that something happened. Um, there's a mystery surviving it, you know, and it you, so, you know, surrounding it. And that's always going to happen. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth because that's exactly what I was going to say. Anytime that there's, you know, a celebrity or somebody famous that, that dies, you know, nobody ever wants to accept, you know, the, 
you know, what actually happened. There's always, you know, Elvis is still alive or, you know, JFK is still alive or, you know, they died this way or that way. No one ever wants to, you know, accept, you know, the actual cause of death or that the person did did die. They they always want to believe that there's there's something more to the story when usually nine times out of ten or so it's it's the simplest answer and it's what actually Yeah, I happened. mean like it's like with Marilyn Monroe, you know, they no one says, okay, well she didn't die from an overdose and uh, taking um drugs, prescription drugs and lots of them, but they feel that, you know, someone went into her place and made her take it or did this or did that and they wanted to make sure she would die and you know so there's always right. yeah there's always a conspiracy and um right it, it, you know and I, I think it's 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 always good to to question things and, and to look at different answers but you know sometimes people could go you know too far but you know it's always good to, to question it's always good to investigate and to look but you know, most of the time it's always, you know, the the simple answer. And, and some people just can't accept that and just want to take it way too far. Well, because of all the conspiracy theories that we've had, that's why mail order throughout the years has thrived so well. You can sell those theories in different forms, you know. <laughs> yeah, there is a conspiracy that you get usable stuff from the House of the Unusual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, unusable stuff. Not usable. <laughs> See, David, the story goes here that my friend over there and Todd both decided that, you know, they played a joke. They said that it was called the House of the Unusable, so they both received the box. Oh, look, hold on. Let me let me tell Dave. Dave, listen, we're, we're going to interject here from Houdini real quick because I want to tell you about your, your friend Eddie here and his, uh, his uh, questionable... Uh, how would you say it? business ethics? Maybe so. He he tells me I, I I'm sending you a package. It, it's the '70s experience. You're gonna love it. I I'm, I'm getting pretty excited. I'm like, well, you know, what could this be? So I'm waiting for the package, and a few days later, this small box comes in the mail, and I'm like, oh man, this is great. You know, I, I wonder what you know my my friend, my buddy Eddie sent me. So I pick up the package. I'm like, this is pretty light. I'm like, it doesn't feel like anything's in here and i'm shaking and i'm like i don't hear anything so i'm like oh, maybe it's you know paper something you know something that that's real light so i'm like man what what could he have sent me so i i cut it you know i get my knife i, I cut it open you know real gingerly just to make sure i don't mess anything up and i take out the bubble wrap that's that's on the top and i look through the crumpled up paper in there and i take the pieces out and he sends me an empty box <laughs> An empty Imagine box. Imagine that lighter than here. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, they called it the House of the Unusable. So outside the box, it said House of the Unusable instead of House of the Unusual. I said, my buddy Eddie sends me an empty box. I said, that's great. And I just Not want the box to... I could reuse. Well, you got some free bubble out <laughs> of it, right? <laughs> yeah, I got some free bubble wrap it and some scrap uh, newspaper. <laughs> yeah, and, and you got a box you could use it. It was unusable to me, so I figured why you know why throw it out, send it to you. Yeah, so you're now you're sending me your trash and all that. <laughs> <laughs> but David, the idea for that happened that about a week or two ago, I received a package I ordered uh, from eBay, and it was filled, and the guy had put something that was the size of a postage stamp inside a bunch of crumpled paper when i'm taking it out i'm like what the hell there's nothing right. in this box so i i got so annoyed 
and looking until I finally found it. And I said, wow, this would be such a great thing to send to my buddies. Because I figured, you know, they're always like looking for the mail order product. And I wanted to let them experience what it was like <laughs> in the 70s when you order things. And yeah, Dave. So if you get a, a box that's that's small and light, just be prepared for it to be nothing and just extra trash that you're gonna. Well, have. yeah, it's uh, when you know every time Eddie's uh, business is brought up and so forth. You know, I because I in magic, you know, I, I was always interested in the comic book ads too because they had the magic and so forth. But I just think about the parallels with magic catalogs. They may not have no jokes or novelties in them but the way they describe the tricks and what you think you're getting and when you get it a lot of a lot of times you're disappointed i mean in magic there's some things that are really great and clever but sometimes you know you're so disappointed because it sounded so great and i i would just when you were talking i was thinking about that ripping open a box and or thinking this big illusion was going to come and this box comes and I opened up the box and it's like, there's this little thing and there's like a piece of thread wrapped around, you know, uh, a, a business card, <laughs> half of a business card with some crummy photocopied mimeographed instructions, you know? Um, well, that, oh, yeah. that's how, Oh yeah, I know. But it just, you know, you, you just think about it and it sounds so great. I will, this is kind of, off the topic, but someone just told me about an item that, um, and I can't really, I don't know exactly what the pitch was, but there was a, a guy who was a, a well-known carnival type of a pitch man, and his name was Bobby Reynolds, and he would hold up an envelope, and he say, now this is just, now this is probably like in the 1950s and 60s. You know, he said, this is not for women to hear. This is for only the boys and the men. So gather around. He goes, boys, this, what is in this envelope could save your life. If you're ever in a bind, you never know when you could use it. But I don't want you to open it up here. If you buy it, you know, whatever it was, 50 cents or something, a dollar. You take it home and you open it in the privacy of your own room by yourself. But this is something that's useful, something that you will need. This envelope contains three rubbers. And you will. So the long story short is, you know, these guys would buy this stuff and they go and they look whether they go in their car or somewhere else on the midway or go home. And inside were three rubber bands. Three rubber bands. <laughs> but everything he said, it's useful. You can use them. If you're in a bind, yeah. you could find many, you know, but he made it sound, he sexualized it. And he, but when the guy told me and he read the thing to me, it made me laugh because, you know, this has been going on forever. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's, you know, and it, you know, talking about the carnivals, I remember in the, in the eighties still the, uh, the side shows. Cause if, if anybody's listening and, northeast ohio western pennsylvania we had the uh this huge fair called the Cantwell fair it's still around but they had the side shows there look you know just like something you would see out of the 40s and 50s and you would have the guy up front you know talking and if you come in here and we we have this show and then while they're doing you know you pay your money to to see the show and then they would have something on stage where you would pay a, a quarter or 50 cents to look at 
And I remember being a little kid and, you know, giving my quarter to go up and see it and going, what the heck is this? Like, you know, it was just something that was so like, you know, cheaply made or just some, some type of cheap illusion and just being so disappointed with it. But, you know, now as I think back, you know, how, how fun that those were. And it's a shame that they're oh, yeah, not that's, around that's, anymore. And, you know, to if we do a full circle, that's how um, the sideshow, you know, that's how Houdini got his start. Um, and uh, he, he starred in the sideshow, uh, him and his wife, uh, Beatrice, you know, Bessie, and they did the metamorphosis trunk, you know, the famous transposition of, of the magician who is on the outside of the box then appears in the inside of the box. And now she's on the top of the box. It's still a very famous trick, but they started in the side shows or the dime shows. And, you know, that's how a lot of people got their start uh, that were in entertainment. Now was he in a, was he in a traveling side show or was that something traveling. that was just It was kinda, a traveling, you know, it was a traveling movie. show. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. They, they still have them here in the Meadowlands, uh, Dave. Once a year, when they bring the Meadowlands Fair, they have a couple of sideshows in there. And one of the ones, I mean, it, it's kind of like they, they show the lady that contours into different things. And it's kind of funny. You pay a dollar, like, to go in the tent, and then to see everything, it's an extra dollar. And I'm like, man, how they scam so many hundreds of people there. Like, the funniest one was the smallest horse. The horse, you go inside where the horse is, and, and the horse is like four or five inches below the level where you're walking, and it's supposed to look smaller. It was such a scam, and it's still being done. I mean, the only thing they, I think they allowed or got rid of was when they used humans with oddities, you know, like, you know, people that had uh, birth, uh, birth defects and stuff like that. They stopped that most, but I think most, they still do now. I don't know with the elephants and stuff, everything that they did from Ringling Brothers that went out of business and all that stuff, but there's still some. I remember about a year ago when I went to the Metal House Fair, I still had them. Um, what I think the greatest looking things of that are the posters. Oh, the, the outside posters. Yeah, the canvas. That's what oh, kills yeah. the show, man. I love that stuff. Those were, I, I can still picture some of them. Those things were amazing. I You, you got to wonder whatever happened to a lot of those. David has them. I'm, well, you I have, have some ones of them, that David? relate to uh, magicians that were on the shows, but there's so many others. I, you know, I don't have the ones that will say if it's the fat man or the snake girl or, you know, the bearded woman, but that's what really drew you in. I mean, that, that was, that was the, right. that was their marquee. And when you looked at that and you could imagine, you know, am I really going to see this? So that was the draw. And those are very valuable today, the original ones. And there's some that were painted. Yeah. Now have those, have those popped up in, in any yeah. auctions, you know, in the last. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those do come have up. They really? Those do, those absolutely do surface. Um, I can't say there's one region in the country where they pair more than others, but um, which well, I'm talking, talking about, about the, the banners, you know, they that they appear. Yeah, I know, but which one in particular, the fat lady? All different kinds come up. I mean, there's like the, you know, the electric man where it shows that he could handle electricity. I mean, anything you could think of that, you know, as a sideshow, even the animal ones, the two headed uh calves or you know whatever it may be the banners 
those were kept. They were never thrown out unless they got destroyed, you know, through uh, just Mother Nature uh, got so worn out. But those you you do find those. Um, they're not common, but they've been surfacing. And a lot of times, I was going to say, part of the country, they seem to uh, surface a lot is down in Florida because um, you had the winter quarters with some of the circuses and the sideshows and so forth. But um, they are good to collect. The only thing is you need the space, you know, to properly display them and enjoy them. Uh, one question I want to ask you put it right, right on his bed next to the, well, he the just use it as a down comforter so, yeah. or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I want to ask you a question, though, because a lot of people probably they're listening to this podcast, Joe, and stuff might be wondering what may, how can somebody have a poster from the 1920s and not make a copy today and say that the copy is an original? What makes the originals different, Dave? What was the process they used? that makes an original poster different from me going and making a copy. Okay, so just so no one's confused, we are talking about canvas, you know, painted canvas, which was folded and durable because it's, you know, material. But posters were also, of course, you. I mean, posters are still used today, but posters going back to the earliest forms of entertainment, that was the way that people knew about the upcoming attractions. And posters were very much like, I guess we could compare it to billboards, but some were that size. They were 16 sheets, 24 sheets, big, big things. But some of them were smaller, like the, you know, half a size of a household door, a half sheet, a one sheet poster. And those were plastered all over the place before that act came into a town. Now, my specialty with the magic, so I could talk about the magic, is before the magician was coming into town you'd have a unit that would travel ahead of the show and get everything prepared and they would plaster any any blank um fence or sides of buildings and use kind of like a wallpaper paste and just put it up slap it up they were never meant to exist you know beyond that date um of that show and I have some original um, invoices for for these posters, like say 1910 or 1912. And the posters were pennies. I mean, they were, you know, three cents a piece, a nickel a piece. But th- these were beautifully lithographed images, and they were made uh, what's called stone lithography. And even with all the modern printing today, um, you still can't capture the same look as stone lithography because each color was made on these giant stones. Oh, wow. Now, now what they, what would one of those posters go for, you know, to, in today's, you know, market? Um, you know, saying like an average, you okay, know, it, it really on. depends on the, on the performer um who the performer is so if you're talking like someone howard thurston who was a famous magician at the time um if say it's a rare image where there's only 10 known you know the poster could be anywhere from uh let's say ten thousand to the twenty thousand range 
Um, now, some posters are very common. For whatever reason, they made many of them. Um, or they always made lots of posters. I mean, a, a lot of times collectors will say, I have the only one known, the only example known. Uh, and then, you know, someone else finds one. And now there's two around. So what ends uh, up happening is, say a magician was on a route somewhere and then all of a sudden uh, they changed the illusion in the actor. They were going to take something out and the management would say, leave those posters to the side. We're not going, they're not going to be in Ohio. We're not going to go to Cincinnati and put them up. We're not going here. So those posters sometimes are discovered. And then uh, there's a lot of them, you know, because they weren't, they weren't posted up. So someone finds a trunk of them and they leak onto the market. And the smart thing, you know, in collecting is if you find a stash of something, you don't sell all of them and let people know you have 50 of them. You, you let you let them go out in dribs right. and drabs. Now, well, what are those? What are those you, more like common? Like twelve hundred to maybe two thousand, twenty five hundred. Yeah. Well, David, you don't have to say specifically. I know that. I mean, I don't know, but we were talking recently, me and you, and you said you came across a could be one of a kind poster. Well, there's more than one. There's there might be two, but it's like. So rare that there's only one known copy. To there's uh, I, there's two there's two known copies, my mine and one other one. Yeah. Right. And you think that you could could hit over? Uh, unlikely. It's it's unlikely. Magic posters, um, rarely go for that kind of money. Uh, posters that go for over that mark are typically movie posters or movie posters that have to do with uh, horror movies. Right. Are you planning to um, probably not. Eventually? No. You want to send it to me? <laughs> I knew that's where well, it was you mean coming. you want the real thing or you want it so you can make copies of it? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Both. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the beginning, when I first met Dave, man, I thought he was going to gravitate to me and stuff. He gravitated to Houdini. You believe that, man? <laughs> Eddie's the original ma magician. He sends you objects in the mail, and they somehow disappear. Right. You you don't know what happened yeah. to him. Well, yeah, that's why you get empty boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let me tell you something. Uh, one of the the most uh, I don't know, Dave, if, if I know you do print a copy. Uh, you gave me one copy of the auction catalogs you do, which look pretty much like Sotheby's. Um, are in the upcoming auction, or you're having an auction right now, the president, I think it's in the middle, almost finished. Uh, did you have anything interesting in that auction? There's um, a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things in there. The um, there's a number of Houdini uh, papers, you know, what we call ephemera. Mm -hmm some photographs. Um, there's also a display in there of keys that came from the Earl Lockman collection and um, they're jail keys. And there's probably, oh, I don't know, a half a dozen of the keys. There's many on there. There's, I don't remember the exact amount, but say there's 80 keys or something, but there's maybe six that are attributed directly to um, Houdini. 
Well, no, that's coming up in the sell? in the auction, which is uh, uh, October. What's this weekend? Uh, what's October fifteenth and sixteenth? Yeah. Yeah. S- send me a link to that. I want to see that, Dave. I really want to see that. Um, those uh, keys. Uh, it's funny how much skeleton keys go for. I've acquired a couple of original skeleton keys, and some of them go for a premium, which is really surprising. Um, I know. Uh, Joe, I had mentioned that Dave had come across a, a jail cell door. I believe he told me it was Michigan somewhere in Michigan or Detroit. Oh, wow. And um, I was actually going to get the jail cell door and, and put it in my little area. Uh, unfortunately, for a difference of six inches, I can't because um, it doesn't give me the height. I mean, it, it left me almost crying, man. Time to carve um, out a, a piece of the uh, ceiling then or the floor. Well, I could do that. And, I mean, <laughs> When my, you know, when my family upstairs walk around, they can always, you know, bump yeah. into the the bars. It's no big deal. Yeah, they'll, they'll just have to adapt to it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> to the jail cell in the middle of the living room. <laughs> so, so you're saying the auction is going to uh, close what this, day now? It's it ends this sun a uh, Saturday, which. But people yeah. can start putting. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know when this Eddie when this is airing, and, but. Because today's Wednesday and it, the auction closes on Saturday, this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it, uh, it, unfortunately, you may not even want to mention the dates because then they're going to be bummed if they go to it. And <laughs> well, for any any future, uh, absolutely, yeah. And there's always stuff coming in. It's amazing what what turns up, you know. Sorry, everybody out there, but you're going to miss out on some awesome items this past week. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll be able to get the jail keys before. That's Eddie. That's that's Eddie's strategy. <laughs> very cheap price. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know what, Dave? If he, if he does, if he does win them, send him in. Send them in a small, lightweight box with nothing in it. And say, there you go. There's yeah. your keys. Yeah. Oh, they must have disappeared. You know. I'm going to say another thing here. Dave and me, right? Dave introduced me to a place I had never really heard of growing up, but it's upstate New York. It's called Lake George. And up there he had a, a couple of years ago, he had a, one of those oddities museum, kind of like Ripley's Believe It or Not. Uh, he actually had the great grandmother of Abraham Lincoln in a coffin there. And he had the actual body, you know. And well, <laughs> well up there, uh, I got to tell you one thing. Uh, I, I went with Dave up there on two occasions. And it's it's a phenomenal place, man. Uh, I was I was thrilled, and I loved the area. And I got to to see a couple of people because he because Dave knows a lot of people in the area because he was there. And I got to go into the yeah uh, House of Frankenstein. Yeah. House of Frankenstein is it called? What's the name of it? Yeah, yeah. What is it? House of Frankenstein, correct? And let me tell you, what a hell of a museum, man! It's 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 great. The same guy's been managing since nineteen seventy one. And if it wasn't because of COVID, we'd be up there again. This, uh, um, Dave, I'm actually, I was thinking of uh, talking to you because we got to return up there, man. We got to, it's a, it's a great place to be and, and, and to see. And, and there's two actual haunted houses there that are owned by the same company, I think. Um, I didn't get to go into any of the other two walk-in houses. But the, uh, this, this house of Frankenstein is more like a museum kind of thing. But they have one one part in there that really related to me because it has this ghost uh, illusion, 
and it shows a ghost appearing out of nowhere because it uses the pepper or ghost illusion, uh, which is one of the original ways that they used to use back in the 1940s and 50s to make things appear like a man turning into a werewolf and all that stuff through mirrors. And they use it for the ghost to make an appearance. This ghost emerges out of nowhere. It's, it's fin- Oh, I loved it. In fact, I recorded by video and I'm actually dying to go back there again. Um, go ahead, like- pretty cool place i've never heard of it yeah i mean it's it's classic and it has that nostalgia to it It was made in the 70s it's kind of remained untouched you know most of it they've added some modern day things but i had my museum which is just a couple of um stores up from there it was it had to be around uh, 20, 10, 11, 12, something like that, around that, that time period. Right. That's no, you didn't have I did not. I did not have the auction, house, did at house, did the auction time, house at that time. That If I did, I couldn't. I juggle a lot, but it would be impossible to run them all. But that's it's totally seasonal. But my place was um, it wasn't spooky, but it you know it had aspects of things that were strange and odd, oddities. Yeah, it had a um, yeah. I've seen photographs of it. What did you have in there? You have one. It of was the popsicle was sticks. It was, was um, it sticks. It was um, yeah. Out against Book of World Records, right it was a castle made of popsicle Records, sticks. Right? It had four hundred and forget how many it was four hundred and eighty thousand popsicle sticks uh, made up a, a castle. I mean, you could walk in it, you know. Oh, and it was in the Guinness Book of World Records, and I had you know an area fifty. Um, one display and um, oh, mummies and Titanic uh, artifacts and of course I had a Houdini display, wax figure and uh, handcuffs and you know all that kind of stuff. Abraham Lincoln. It it was I had Johnny Eck. You know that's another topic for another time. But Johnny Eck was in the movie Freaks. He was the the boy that uh, or the man that had no lower half of his body walked on his hands and um i had a, a little vehicle of his there so it was a good it was a good little uh exhibit and it was cheap you know it was like six bucks to get in little place you know when we were talking everything earlier tonight talking about the Houdini and the burial ground and everything, you kind of reminded me of Abraham Lincoln because when Abraham Lincoln was first buried, I think they stole his body like twice. And then the son, uh, this is kind of interesting because there are photographs of how the body looked when they exhumed the the body or they got it back. They buried it into like a uh, 15-foot pit and threw cement on it on top. So I guarantee you that that body's still intact today because He's buried under so much cement. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing about the Lincoln, uh, I had a, a replica of Abraham Lincoln's casket made by someone I knew, and they did a phenomenal job. I mean, it it, it looked like exactly like the casket. The casket, were, you know, they're not like the caskets today. They had a very distinctive look and black cloth and... Um, it, it, he did a great job, but I had a wax figure of Abraham Lincoln, eyes closed and everything. 
and um, I had the funeral wreath. I had the funeral wreath and everything. And I remember a woman. <laughs> she was at. She was asking me. I mean, she's. <laughs> That's why I'm I see her there, and she came a couple times in there, and then she was like praying and stuff. And she says, she talked to. I had a worker there, and who the owner was, and want to talk to me. So, I said, yeah. How can I help you? And she said, how did the government allow you to bring his body in here and how come more people don't know about it? <laughs> I mean, she, she fall, she fell for a hook, line and sinker. She thought that was really the, 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 the body of the 16th president of the United States here in Lake George. <laughs> you see him. Oh wow! That that's not, I mean, that sounds was, like how Joe. I mean, I had I had also a small little casket, which was a real casket, a children's size casket with a glass front, uh, and it had I had put um uh an alien in there, and I had some like twisted metal from Roswell and stuff. You know, it was supposed to be from Roswell and on display and stuff. And I had the same type of thing. A guy says, does the government know you have this stuff here? I mean, and he was dead, you, you know, <laughs> yes. dead, dead serious, you know. Um, oh. But yeah, it was, it was fun. It, the, the one thing is that when you run a place like that, you have to have revolving displays or unless you're truly in an area where it's always a turnover of new people. But I had fun with the seasons I was there. Um and uh yeah it was very it was very enjoyable to see the reaction of these people <laughs> yeah uh, I, I don't know how you didn't you know well, how, yourself how did he from, bring... like just busting out laughing and just no well, i thought you said how did he bring the abraham lincoln in there I, well I know I, you know i never gave <laughs> you know i never said well that's not real you know I, because that's not what you do when you run a place like that you know um so <laughs> you, you just kind of say well i i've had pre special permits or this or that I, I mean i don't know what i told the woman but she was she was very very convinced that that was abraham lincoln's body and you know i mean i i did the whole thing like it was a funeral i had the 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 pink lights i had even the the um the the glade plug-in things that smelled like flowers and i mean i created that illusion that you were in a funeral home and you were looking at abraham lincoln's body and i had like you know the blow up of um uh poster boards you know on easels i had the thing that you kneel on when you go in front of a casket but the poster board showed you know the actual photos of Lincoln um, in the casket. And when you looked at that and you looked at mine, you know, you say, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's it. You know, but that's, yeah. that's hilarious. You know, Todd had asked me, Joe, you and Todd have asked me, why did I partner with Dave and many, because I think me and Dave work with the same mentality. Um, He's an awesome guy when it comes to stuff, man. Making stuff, he, his ingenuity is beyond imagination. Uh, absolutely. Well, hey guys, we, you hear him talk there, so well, serious and stuff. But just he's passion and and doing things <laughs> right, that Dave? you like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Same thing I do with the 
with the mail order thing, man. It's it's the passion and the yeah. years. And, you making the ghost and, and you just love this doing stuff. that and, people... and and um you know it's it's you you're doing what you like to do. You know, recently it's funny that you said that recently I, I thought about um and my mom even brought me down to earth on it. And I remember saying, I, I thought about when I sell the ghost from now on, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to include a picture of the ad instead of including the skeleton hands because the skeleton hands are selling for as much as $20 a piece on eBay. And I always give them away for free. And then my mom said, be careful that you don't take them out and then people won't buy it. And, you know, it kind of brought a back a memory about, I don't know, two or three years ago that some guy got mad at me. Because he got the ghost, and he goes, "Where are the skeleton hands?" So he wanted the hands more than the ghost. And I, for a second there, I'm like, "Okay, I might not be able to do that, man." But that's that's what it is. It's just the way people people have their imagination and what they like. You know, I've been selling that Amazing. darn thing for over, almost 38 years, man. And just for some reason, last month, I don't know what was the spur. I sold almost 50 plus in the, a span of about three weeks. I don't know if it was the Laura Legends uh, insert or what it was, but it was crazy. And I didn't know how to even finish making them. It was just like they were selling like crazy. Well, hey, guys, I got some bad news. We are we are at the bottom of the last Almost few done. minutes here. Time has been, been flying. So, um, Dave, you have any final words for Well, for no, I mean, I just uh, – it's we've covered a lot of topics, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, starting off with Houdini and Halloween and – going through uh sideshows and posters and you know it's uh it's always enjoyable because you never know <laughs> what twists and turns but it, it's it's sure as heck all stuff that we like and enjoy talking about absolutely and we really appreciate you you know coming back and you know hope you come back for for a lot more episodes and you know we'll we'll discuss you know a whole plethora yeah. of different stuff well, basically, the whole the whole story is that David is part of the uh, the crew we have here, and uh, he's like kind of like uh, between him and Todd, they stay in the background. They come in in different shows and stuff, but at the end of the day, uh, me and David have a partnership in America, you know, in, in uh, Acme House Novelties, and you know we're producing a lot of products for you guys out there. And, and please remember, this is the final moment to buy the the haunted house. I've lifted it. I listed it on my eBay store. I also listed Dave has it on his eBay store. So you guys can just, you know, go into the website. You'll, you'll find the links for both right there on houseoftheunusual.com. Uh, it's very important because once they sell out, I've, I've had a couple of people already told me they already bought one. But once they sell out, you know, they're not going to be around anymore. Absolutely. Um, this is a... And, and everybody out there, go visit houseoftheunusual.com. Sign up for the uh, the forum and uh you know interact with some like-minded people out there we have have some cool blogs there we have uh gullibles babbles crypt of classics uh and then the the forum that's open to everyone where you could put in your input for you know different show ideas different topics that you want to hear and if you even want to you know join us on a, on a future show you know that's the place to to go ahead on there and and do that and get a hold of us also check us out on instagram house of the unusual and crypt of classics and also find us on youtube under house of the unusual where eddie's always posting videos up there and i am i've been slacking in the video department which i'm i'm hoping to get one up this week so i'll check that out you know subscribe to the the youtube channel and 
and interact with, with us on there because we're we're all just kids at heart who who have a passion for this stuff and and who love talking about it who love learning about it and anything else that pretty much comes with it so that's all i gotta and say one <laughs> final thought here uh guys remember the name dave harversat he's gonna we're not gonna say exactly what it is right now but we're planning something that's gonna be happening soon and he's gonna be the the lead person on this uh, subject we're going to be talking about. And that subject, we're actually putting, implementing something in the business as a whole. So uh, having said that, it's something for you guys to think about. And uh, it'll be so exciting. You guys will, won't be able to handle it. Uh, having said it, right, guys. Hey, uh, good night, guys. You take good night, Eddie. Good night, Dave. Good night. Bye-bye.